if you're going to be successful in business to business relationships, there has to be trust. It's the number one ingredient of partnerships. And what we've actually done is the science of trust. And you have to know how the other person builds trust. Whoever is leading their company, you have to make sure you're speaking the same language because not everybody builds trust the same way. And to me, that's like the elastic. It's like the foundation of the house. If you don't get that right, the partnerships aren't going to work anyway. This is Get Shit Done a podcast that dives into how women entrepreneurs are gaining traction and growing companies that scale generational impact. Each episode is real talk from women founders who have successfully scaled companies. You'll learn what they did to grow, how they did it, and the tools they used to get it done so you can too. To get access to more episodes of Get Shit Done, along with free traction tools, Head on over to shegetshitdone.com. Welcome back to the Get Shit Done Podcast, friends. I'm your host, Alex Fatdorf, a.k.a. Chief Get Shit Done Officer. Today, my guest is my girl, Teresa Carrigal, founder of Achieve Unite. And look, I'm butchering her last name because she says it way more spicy because Teresa has Catalan roots and I'm still working on my Spanish swag, Okay. Here's what I love about Teresa outside of her infectious energy and energetic smile. She is the partnership queen. And seriously, the premise of her entire company is to teach companies and individuals how to become better at partnerships. So she know a thing or two. And even before she became an entrepreneur, she lived and breathed business development. So if that's your goal in your business right now, to develop partnerships, and get better at business development, you in the right place, honey. And we've said it here before, but we're going to say it again. Sell or die. That sounds morbid AF, but honestly, if your company is not selling, it's probably dying. And what I loved about Teresa is that she helps us to reframe this played out idea about selling Selling doesn't have to be sleazy. It doesn't have to be weird. In fact, selling is all about building relationships and mutual value together. Quite frankly, that's literally what business is. Whether it's an investor, whether it's sales, it's all developing valuable relationships that are going to be beneficial for everyone involved. And one of the most effective ways to sell is through partnerships. It takes the burden off of you and your team having to do all the heavy lifting And so often founders are so focused on survival that we end up kind of selling in a sleazy way that kind of forget business is about people, not just pitching your shit, even though you probably have a great business, but y'all, we got to focus on the humanity of business. That's how we get things done. So buckle up. Here's what you're going to learn from Teresa. How early stage companies can successfully develop partnerships and how you can scale those partnerships over time so that you're adding more value. What I also love about Teresa's scaling story is that she bootstrapped to the multi-millions without building a lick of technology. I think we get obsessed with the idea of proprietary tech, building shit, that founders start building things that, that if I'm being honest, aren't always clear on the actual value it brings to the people they're trying to serve. Just because someone told you, you gotta build tech. That's actually not true. Teresa and her team tripled revenues 
by creating a tech stack of tools that were already on the market. And she teaches you how you can do it too. You can also learn how one of the members in the Get Shit Done tribe, Nassim Abdi, founder of Storybolt, was able to do the same, or what she calls duct taping tools together, which led to her 25Xing her revenues and led to her raising a million before she even had any tech in place. So go back and check that out when you're finished listening to Teresa. So get ready for more traction tips that will help you scale your vision of impact. And have you rated and reviewed this podcast yet? If you have, thanks friend. If you haven't yet, please take 10 seconds to do it. If these weekly traction breakdowns are valuable to you, it won't cost you a thing. Let us and people looking for content like this know what's up. And if you think what you're doing, and if you think what we're doing is trash, tell us. We want this to be helpful for you so you can learn what you need to grow. And if you're looking for everyday support on your scaling journey, head on over to shegetshitdone.com slash membership, where you'll learn more about how we're helping women entrepreneurs grow game-changing businesses daily that are disrupting systems of survival. If you're ready to get unstuck and get the support you deserve in scaling your business, we're the tribe for you. And without further ado, Queen Teresa Carrigal. All right, Teresa, welcome to Get Shit Done. I know, I just love your name alone. Fabulous. Uh, I love it. She came in guns blazing, but like in a good way, like good energy. She has a big, happy smile on. And I'm excited because we are live streaming this within our community right now. So we're going to leave some time for our founders to be able to ask some questions of Teresa because I know they want to learn more from her. But to kick it off, Teresa, if you could describe how you're feeling in your business in one word in this moment, I mean, like it could change in an hour, but if you could say in this very second, what would that word be for how you feel? Off the charts, excitement, not one word, four words, but super excited this year. I love it. Take up space. Yes, you better use four words. Why is that? We are on the cusp of going to another level of our company. And so it's very exciting. I actually split the company into business units and we have some incredible intellectual property and just this momentum in the market right now. And we're going into the year with more revenue on the books than ever before and some amazing client engagements. So yeah, I'm quite excited. And we have a great team. Amazing. And I know we're going to unpack some of that in the growth that you've been yes. able to achieve and how other founders could be leveraging that too. But let's take it back a little bit because I want them to get to know a little bit about you, give some context to how you even got here. So before you started Achieve Unite, what were you doing? What were you all about? How did we get here? Oh my goodness. Before I started achieving, I, I was all about the corporate tech world and I was all about the channel and I was all about building the channel and businesses and tech companies. And that was my thing. And I worked for medium sized companies anywhere from at the time 300 to a billion. 
And yeah, that's what I did. And I had global sales responsibility, channel sales, and had the responsibility of the program and the strategy and the marketing, as well as the business development and the alliances. I was usually the only woman at the table back then, you know, it was, but it was amazing. And it was an incredible experience. And I got to do business in 55 countries and I got to travel all over the United States. And I got to go into many places in different countries and just have incredible partnership and business development conversations and strategy conversations and execution and doing events and different cities around. I think about my event in Barcelona and my event in Portugal and my event in Miami and just all these great arts, the Hotel de Arts in Barcelona. We have this amazing event there. I can still remember that one. Yeah. So it was wonderful. And then I had two little boys and I couldn't take them all over the world traveling with me. And so that's when I decided to become an entrepreneur. Amazing. Okay. So the, the, the point of deciding to become an entrepreneur is I being a mom, how did we dive into entrepreneurship was achieve unite the first thing. Oh, that's a great question. So I would say there is a step in between. One is I first decided I can't sustain doing this. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I'm going to have the courage to stop and jump off the corporate high train. And I was really scared and it was really a tough time. It was a tough decision. I did have two little, I still have two amazing boys now, nine and 14, but at the time they were two six and one of them was somewhat sick. And so he's really healthy now, but I just couldn't sustain that global travel and feel good about it. I can remember a trip to Bali and I was on, you know, I was in first class and I was literally on the ground for 24 hours and I had gone all the way to Bali and back and my stomach was in knots. And I thought, you just can't keep doing this. You know, it's not going to work for you. So I just stopped. And all of a sudden I started consulting and I did that for a year. People called and said, Hey, could you help us with this? Could you help us with this? And I can remember I was consulting under Teresa Carroll consulting, which I still have as an LLC. And I can remember the day that I shifted about a year in from being, being a consultant to being an entrepreneur. And I can remember the mindset shift. I can remember the way I felt. I can remember what wait a minute, if boys can build companies, I can build a company. And that was the day it started to shift to something different. Got it. So then where did Achieve Unite come from? Like what, how did the idea come about? Like, why did you say, I want to do this thing from going from this incredible background? And it's so interesting. There's common themes we see, and we're going to create, our team is creating a guide around like key things across the board. There's about four or five that from all the women we've interviewed on this podcast who have scaled beyond the seven figure mark, they all have in common. And one of those things is sales. Yeah. Is that many of, not many, but a good chunk of them have backgrounds in sales in some way, or they force themselves to learn it. Yeah. Um, which honestly, true. like if your company is not very selling important. stuff, it's dying. So I'm really curious as to from the, just like the seed phase of here's the idea. And then this yeah. is why I'm doing this thing as the business. So we started, I was Teresa Carl Consulting and I had a couple of people beginning to work with us and we started to form some intellectual property and some things. And I felt like it wasn't fair to do it under the LLC. Like we needed a name and we needed to become a company other than Teresa Carl Consulting. And so we, you know, I've 
always stood for achievements and accomplishments. And it's at the early in the alphabet. And, and so we did achieve and then funny enough, achieve wasn't available on the websites, but achieve unite because we are, we are partnering as a uniting force. And I believe in uniting people and connecting and bonding and developing people and achieve unite was like the perfect name. And fast forward a few years later, AU is our logo. And that actually is the gold. It stands for gold. It's a sign for gold, AU gold. So it turned out to be just the perfect thing. And so Achieve Unite was born. And then we've, you know, gradually built the company and built the teams. And yeah, it's amazing what we're doing now. Can you tell us like, what is this business? How does a business model work? So we are, Achieve Unite is the partnering success company. So everything we do is around partnering, channels, alliances, expansion of business. And it's all about indirect expansion of business. So it's not just me selling to you, Alex, or me doing business with you. It's maybe me doing business with your partners and they're going to help take a solution into the market. And that's a big part of the tech industry. And I was an executive in that space. So it's sort of a natural for me to go do. So initially, the company was primarily consulting and helping to do this work. And But we have, all of us at Achieve Unite have a common thing that we really care. And we really care about people. And we care about people getting really good at this, not just the companies getting good at this. And so you know, over the last four years, especially once COVID hit, we actually have really expanded our education portfolio. So we have a consulting business unit and we have an education business unit. So the consulting is helping the companies build their partnerships, their alliances and their channels and the education, the people skills is developing the people's competency in this arena. And you would be very, maybe you wouldn't be surprised, but there's a direct correlation between leadership and partnering and the, the skills that are required in influencing and leadership are also required in partnering. So we do a lot of work in that domain as well. And last, I have a deep passion for women in leadership. So we do some work in the women in leadership as on that side. And so those are the two business units in the company. I love that. So I want to focus on because your background before Achieve Unite was in creating partnerships, channel partnerships. And one of the biggest things we talk to our community about often is like for especially early stage companies, distribution matters a lot. So how who who knows you, how they know about you, who you're partnering with to be able to get more eyeballs on you, because, you know, we'll hear about things like paid ads, which we did. You know, we released something yesterday or this week with Anna Conchar, who walked through paid ads, who it works for, who it doesn't. But what we typically see is most companies if they actually end up paying for paid advertising it takes about three years before they actually start making that investment because those early years you really need to get clarity on who your hell yes customer is so you can scale that up and so in those beginning stages the best way to do that is distribution by forming partnerships and it just feels like this big hairy beast sometimes for entrepreneurs like how the hell do you do it so Can you just break down from your own experience and in the lens of talking to small business owners and entrepreneurs with startups, what is the first step that they should be thinking about when they want to establish a very powerful dynamic in creating partnerships? Sure. I'd be happy to. We are publishing a book this summer on this very topic and 
It is coming out with Advantage Media. It's the Forbes, the company that does Forbes books. We're working with them. And we were selected right away because this is such a hot topic. And our assertion is in this new world, every single company, doesn't matter if you're one person or three people or five people or 100 people or a million people, you have to have partnerships. And you can't treat them as a transaction. You have to really invest in them as a partnership. So the first thing is, it's a DNA, right? It is, there is an individual skill to developing partnerships. There's a company DNA and there's a community piece of this, right? And how do you, how do you operate in the community and build partnerships inside of the community that you're trying to, but before you can even do that is you have to know why do you want partnerships? What do you want out of the partnership? When do you want it to perform and what do you want it to do? And who, think about the, you know, who, what, when, where, why, how, you have to answer all of those questions because if you don't know the answers to those questions, probably 90% of the time your partnerships are going to fail. So you've got to be clear on what it is you want to do in order to capitalize on a partnership. And then the next thing I would tell you is if you're a three-person company that's doing $300,000 of revenue, you can't take on 10 partnerships, right? Or you'll fail. So you have to pick wisely. Maybe you take three, you know, maybe you, you place three bets, but you have to be very careful about how many bets you place at what stage of your company. And, and I think that I've learned that the hard way. Sometimes we try to do too many things and we don't do any of them well, especially us, you know, women who want to accomplish a lot and have great ideas. And, you know, it's all about execution in small businesses. So mm. I, I love this because we talk about focus a lot in our community and it's, it's hard, you know, when you are in early stage company and actually not even just early stage companies, when you're a small company in general, you don't have a lot of resources, yes. There's just not like, it is so easy to get distracted by shiny objects because yeah, if, right. you're the, if you're the CEO, the goal yeah. is always, how do we scale our impact? How yeah. do we serve more people? And sometimes we might get distracted by this thing looks really like I always think back to my last company and a lot of our because we were an e-commerce company, we sold customized denim and a lot of our our customers were like, oh, my God, if you could just do this for the rest of my wardrobe. And that was our long term goal. But it was much like years down the line. We we're like, we need to solve for this thing here, this category. We haven't even yeah, saturated right. it yet. Yeah. And I just remember because we were so excited to serve, we were so excited to do more for them. We hopped into that too quickly and yeah. it just ended up stretching and stretching Ooh. our focus and the revenue we thought we'd get more off of was actually a distraction and slowed down our efforts in the actual area that was helping the business. So I love that you said, Great you know, point. you need to focus on a couple. So how sometimes you don't want to only do one because it's not enough because if it fails then you know then so what do you, you have do? To balance what are your bets whether they're partner bets or whether they're go to other go to market bets you know you got to place your three bets and make sure that you've got three going that are you know you're de-risking any one of them not succeeding exactly so then let's walk through that let's walk through we've identified now you've already given them a little bit of a framework of here's mm -hmm. what to look at now, how do I know which ones to move forward with? Because again, shiny objects, sometimes it seems exciting, but then you're like, ooh, this was actually not, this is an alignment. So 
what would you say, like, well, how can they be thinking about this? At small and early stages, I am not going to lie. I am a big fan of happy accidents because happy accidents, you know, you play out happy accidents and you might have a diamond in the rough and you might not. Right. But I definitely, you know, I have always been able to smell an opportunity and know I better play it out to see if it's going to be something really strong or maybe it's not, you know, so, so really capital, the happy accidents, the things that happen back to back, ever since I started Chief Unite, I go, like I had one yesterday where the two of them were on my calendar back to back, the marketing leader and the sales leader. And so we did a water cooler zoom right in between and got everybody together. And we started brainstorming and I thought, oh my God, what came out of that? I was like, that might not have been an accident. It might have been a happy accident, but it might have been sort of a, a karma thing. And those are really powerful because a lot of times there's just diamonds in those. Mm. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And then, you know, you have like to your point around the distractions, one of the things that I've had to do because I love squirrels <laughs> is I have to put my list of what our priorities are. And now I used to send my emails of, oh my God, I have a new idea. I don't do that to the team anymore because I was really stressing them out. So I look at my priorities and I look at my squirrel and I see whether that's going to line up. And if it doesn't, then I let it go or I put it on my wall or I don't send the email. And then if it's something that really is something needy, then I do activate it and get it going and it lines up to my wall. I love this because one of our founders, Kate Moore, she shared with our tribe recently a shiny object sorter. And for that reason, because for her and her team that had all these ideas, it was like, okay, let's sort them all out. Let's have a place for them. Right. And look back to our priorities right now and see if any of those actually line up. If they yes. don't, they're still in a place that you can find them. And then when your priorities shift, you can say, oh, actually, this thing actually yeah, lines that's up. I like the shiny today. objects order. That's brilliant. I mean, you have a shiny right? objects order. That's a good one. I love, it. I love it. So, okay, we have priorities. We have yep. tamed our squirrels. Cool. Now, when we get clear on here's who we want to partner with and this is what we want to achieve with them. Now, one of the things people get caught up on and we just had an awesome conversation with Barbara Clark, who's one of the biggest individual angel investors and women entrepreneurs. And she was saying that it's so easy to like try to automate things, but it's the worst thing you can do when you're trying to build these relationships with people, especially partnerships, right. investors. Yeah. So what does that outreach process look like? What, how do you and your team address this? Because I think this is where a lot of people drop the ball, I, including myself. I've done this poorly in the past. So before I do that, I'm going to do a quick commercial for Angel Investing, women-owned businesses, Golden Seeds, if you don't know yes. Seeds. I love Loretta. I love her mission. They have chapters around the country and they will invest in under a million dollar women-owned businesses. So if you yeah. have a lot of those, please go visit her. And she's incredible, the work she does and the way they do their advisory. Um, I was just talking to her today. So love it. The, so when we talk about the how of partnerships, I completely agree with your friend that spoke that we just launched into the market PQ. So think EQ, think IQ. This is your partnering quotient, and it is your ability to build partnering trust. And what we have found with partnerships, even if it's you and your client, if it's you with your CFO, if it's you with your marketing person. If you're going to be successful in business-to-business -business relationships, there has to be what? Trust. It's the number one ingredient of partnerships. And what we've actually done 
is the science of trust. And there's five personas and we have a psychometric assessment and we have a whole series of workshops and we do a 360 around this. You know, it's sort of like a disc or a strength finders, but it's just about trust. And so if you want to build trust partnerships, you've got to build the trust mm-hmm. and you have to know how the other person builds trust. Whoever is leading their company or that agent or whatever that is, you may, you have to make sure you're speaking the same language because not everybody builds trust the same way. Mm-hmm. And there is a science mm-hmm. to this. And so that has, to me, that's like the elastic. It's like the foundation of the house. If you don't get that right the partnerships aren't going to work anyway. Mm. So, and then the transactions and the go-to-market and the pilots and the things you do to get that, increase that trust, right? If I do a pilot and it goes well, I have another chip in the bank. If I do something else and it goes well, I get another chip in the bank that gradually grow those partnerships into more and more and more. And so you have to get the trust and then you have to come up with those hard development, pilot, initiative, something that you're going to do in order to grow that business. Mm. So as you're speaking through this, you know, it reminds me all, all of business is literally just relationships, dating for whatever, marriage or whatever. And, you know, we think about this, whether it's with new friends, whether it's with a new beau or girlfriend or whatever it is, is that when you first meet someone, I hope you're not expecting, I'm guessing that everyone listening doesn't expect we're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend right now, you know, yeah. this day, the sometimes moment we, we meet. date for a while, you know, sometimes we have to just stay dating. Sometimes we have to be casually dating and we're dating other people, but we're referring business to one another and we're, you know, showing up at a dance every so often and having a dance together. And there's a lot of that. And you know what? That is all good because remember what didn't exist five years ago that really exists now is the flywheel, the influencer impact, the community orchestration. So all of us are not in these linear businesses anymore. We're in this whole social media community world. So all of those touch points play into our flywheel and our community Mm. world. And we need to be thinking about that as we're building these partnerships. I love this point and I'm thinking just of how I've seen some of the founders in our community where their angst comes from, right? When you're a small business, when you are, you know, trying to grow, there Mm -hmm. is so much pressure to, I need to hit that goal. I need Mm -hmm. to get there. And so that energy a lot of times shows up when we go into these conversations with potential partners and it reminds me of dating, right? It's like, you don't want that person that feels like it's desperate. Like I need to be married tomorrow. You're like, whoa, I don't even know your last name. Right. Right. That's right. What would you say before we get into kind of, you know, and I'm glad that you paused it and said, let's take a step back before we get into some of those tactics. What would you say to entrepreneurs that feel that pressure, that angst to say, I need to get this deal. Yeah. I need to get this deal done. I need to do, do it. And then they show up that way. And it's kind of off-putting. Like, it's like, Hey, I don't know you. Right. Yeah. What would you say to them in navigating that? Cause it's going to be there. I mean, I think there's multiple layers. So that one is, it is such a real feeling less than 1% of women owned businesses ever make it past a million dollars. Right. 15% of businesses in America make it past. So we need to increase our odds. So that stress is very real and it's legitimate. And, you know, and so, so one is to accept that that's what's happening and it's really natural. 
And two, make sure you have mentors who have done this before. I mean, part of why we are where we are is because we have amazing mentors who I am able to talk to and bounce situations off of. And I get the answer that I wouldn't have had starting into the conversation. And then three, if you haven't been doing mindfulness work or work around growth mindsets or any of those, there's lots of research. I'm sure you can share some blogs with them. We do work around this, but really working on that growth mindset, what you put into the universe, you get out, you know, that flywheel. I mean, those things, if I could tell my 32 year old self that if you, everything you do transcends the company you're working for, it transcends that moment in time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. That's my favorite line of businesses and entrepreneurship. And every seed you planted, momentum builds momentum, builds momentum. And so like rest in that. And then when it happens and you get those feelings, you know, there are times where I have had some of my best partnerships are because I said, man, Glenn, I'm really stressed about this this week. And this is what's going on in our company. And we, and you have to know when to hold them and when to fold them and when to share them. But if you know that that's an okay, safe space to have those conversations, those vulnerability conversations build trust. They deepen trust. They build people wanting to help. And so I would just encourage you to lean into the fear, lean into the anxiety, lean into it, because in it is where you can get your most growth and your most learning. Mm, I love this. If, if you're not connected with Stephanie Neal at Blind Zebra, I want to connect you because she talked about this. Um, mm -hmm. And for those of you listening to this, this is a great, that's a great follow-up conversation to this one because she talks about selling and doing it authentically. Yes. It. But she mentions that because her and her husband work together on the business. And she said that, you know, there was one particular client that they had at, you know, her husband went into the conversation and said, you know, because he felt angst and he just stopped the conversation. He said, you know what? Mm -hmm. I want to take a pause because I'm feeling really anxious about this and to get it done. And I don't want to bring that energy in this. Like, I just want you all to know, like, like what a wise young man. Yeah. Well, he's in his fifth. So yes, get wise old man. But the fact that he was vulnerable enough to say, yeah. I'm putting a lot of pressure on this because I really want to work with you all. But right. I also want you to feel that that's desperation. It's just excitement. And the fact that he stopped and said that, I'm like, that's so fucking powerful. That so is so great. I love that. We don't give ourselves the voice. Because a mm -hmm. lot of times society tells us, oh, you're being overly emotional, right? right? That's right. A way to say it. So I love that you bring, bring that up. You know, it's interesting. And we did the PQI testing. We did this big workshop with a whole enterprise sales force. And there was only five women in the room. And they're out of the five personality type profiles. There was one profile that only had 13% of the entire population had this profile. Four of the six people were women that had that profile. And that profile is the collaborator. And the collaborator are the people who are able to bring teams together. They're able to drive higher solutions. They're phenomenal. And all these other types were in the room that were men. And they started to realize, oh my God, we need to leverage our collaborators more successfully in our team. And, you know, so I think it's also about what is, what do different people bring to the table that will allow you to make one plus one equal more than two? And, you know, that's the premise of people relationships. That's the premise of partnerships. Like that's the recipe you have to get right. 
I love this. Okay, so we got to start with our mind and make sure that we are showing up in a way that can establish these authentic partnerships. So now that we feel we feel good, we are in alignment. Now, when we identify those people, what do you suggest for entrepreneurs when they're reaching out, like to establish those partnerships? Like what have you done in the past that has been successful that puts your humanity at the forefront to say, hey, I would really like to work with you or however you frame it because of X, Y, and Z. And it makes it feel like, wow, there's something in it for both of us here. Yeah. So first of all, our premise, we teach the whole Partner Performance Advisor certification. And basically the number one premise of the program is we have to focus on what are the motivations of the other person, the company, what they're trying to accomplish. Because if we understand what they need and what makes them successful, then we figure out how we fit into that. Instead of, we've got this and we want to sell you this and we want to show you this and we want you to do this, right? It's it's a, it's turning that upside down and starting with their business, their company, their, their relationship, their strategy, their go-to-market, and then backing into ours. Okay. So how do we get there though? How do we know, you know, when, let's say you do the reach out, let's say through, through email, right? You get on the the call and how would you suggest entrepreneurs navigate those conversations to make sure that you're backing in to their strategy? Like what should you be asking to even get those insights? That's a great question. First of all, get on video. So get on video or get face-to-face, one of the two. Video is 65% better than audio, 45, 35% less than face-to-face. But so your, your odds are even better if you get on video and you get to know each other on video. Secondly, I had a gentleman, I booked a time with him and I got on the phone and he said, if you can't stay on the whole half hour, I'm not interested in talking to you. I need to reschedule with you until you can be with me for 30 minutes. And I thought, oh my goodness, I am definitely, I don't build trust that way in relationships. I could do business with him. No way, no how, no where. And he then called me again and again and again after that. And I thought, oh no, that was not my trust building style. So, you know, recognizing who you're talking to and what is important to them. If you're, if you want them more than they want you, right? If it's a, if it's a prospect and you really want them, you know, ultimate respect and what are their goals and what do they care about? And that's what I do when I'm building partnerships. But, you know, I wouldn't expect that if someone's calling on me, you know, but you can't do it that way. Got it. So then now, and I love that you bring up the fact that this is not, and I see this again, partnerships, if it's, you know, channel partnerships is if it's a sponsorship is an investor like these are all relationships and we can show up in the sense and i see this often with founders again because that angst and pressure to hit goals is that sometimes it comes off as desperate and then we will settle for people in partnerships that should have never happened in the first place because we want to cash in and so i love that you bring this up for founders listening not every partnership is a good partnership even if they are presenting you the world if they're giving you red flag giving you controlling vibes like you said with that guy like 30 minutes like what if your conversation you achieved what you needed to in 15 minutes okay give me 15 minutes back it's not that right exactly I love that yeah well trust your gut you know I think that women have an intuition and it is a very 
you know, if you read about intuition and gut, it is actually like thousands of neurons that come together in your body, in your gut, and you trust that, you know, and really lean into it. And I think that is one of the things I've learned is I trust it more than I ever did when I was in the corporate world. And I wish I had done it differently. All right, Teresa, I love that you're breaking down these partnerships, how to do it. So we have our mind right. We know that we're not just going to get in bed, the motive metaphorical bed with just anybody. So now that we are having these conversations, we have found some aligned partners. What do you feel are the best steps once they have gotten those calls and they said, we want to move forward. What have you and your team done to make sure that you're streamlining that process? So it is effective for everyone involved. And then you're not again, because time is the most valuable asset. And when you don't have things that are streamlined, it makes it really ineffective. So what do you suggest when you're, you're teaching your clients this? Well, when I teach classes, I talk about the first 30 days of a partnership. So in the first 30 days, we have to hold hands and we have to get some transactions, maybe some deals in the funnel. Maybe we're doing a marketing initiative together, but we have to execute on something that transactionally builds and deepens our trust, right? Mm-hmm. And so those first 30 days, you have to have action. Some people think, oh, I'll just get them signed up and I'll leave them alone, set it and forget it. We'll fail. 99% of the time, it will probably fail. So in these kinds of partnerships that we're talking about, it's got to be something that really deepens the relationship and the trust and gets mm-hmm. some action going. I'm a big fan of pilots and bets. I mentioned that earlier in this. So maybe we are going to pilot going after five opportunities and we're each going to take a couple of them and we're going to take lead and one of us is going to lead and one of us is going to follow. And by the way, make sure we know what role each of us is going to play in those opportunities so we can avoid problems later. I'm a big fan of talking through things up front. Mm. And then we start going after that. We start working together and that's when, you know, we get on a call together. We work with the customer together and really good things happen and momentum builds momentum. And then we get our first win and we better celebrate right? Celebrate, go somewhere together, do something special, you know, send an email to each other, but really recognize and celebrate wins because we all want to celebrate and be successful. And, and then that keeps going bigger and bigger. Think about the snowball, right? And the snowball gets bigger and it gets bigger and and then you don't have to push it so far. It just starts, has its own momentum. It flies down the hill and your goal is to get those partnerships to a place where they'll fly down the hill on their own. Mm. And, but there's a lot of labor to get it to that point. Yeah. So my final question before we take a question from our, our tribe is kind of teed up to that is you were able to triple revenues and expand members across, you know, the nation by leveraging existing technologies. And I think one of the biggest pain in the asses for entrepreneurs who are like, I need to grow the business. I don't want to be in the weeds of it, right? Mm-hmm. Is operationalizing things. And sometimes it's like, do I have to get this technology? Do I need to do this? And you were able to expand through existing. You didn't have to build anything fancy out because sometimes mm-hmm. we'll get these whatever consultants or whoever that are trying to you know sell us the world. So yeah, can you walk us through what that oh my process gosh, we- we are a total cloud company. We've been using Zoom since 2015. We do our biz dev calls. We do our team meetings. We do everything on Zoom before Zoom was ever cool. Mm-hmm. 
to build our team and our because our team is spread out across the US and Europe and we also in Asia. And so you know that became one of our cloud tools. We use ClickUp for our project management. And so these cloud tools are not expensive. They create a much lower barrier to entry for businesses to get going. Mm -hmm. And so you know pick your cloud tools, pick your apps, pick your things that really become kind of the foundation of your company. We love Slack. You know, that's another one of our tools that we use for communication. So I would, I would definitely say that. The second thing I would say is we actually built client engagements using automation. So we have a tool that's our psychometric assessment that we deliver our services on. We do workshops with Mural and we use Mural to deliver the outcome. Mm. So we use digit, we have incorporated technology into our offerings mm. and that has been a very successful strategy for us. What I love about what you're saying and like, you know, sometimes we'll hear about, you just need to get systems and tools in place is you're saying, how do they talk to each other? Because it's not yeah. about how many tools you add. It's, it's about no. how are they helping each other be more effective so it can help you right. and your business be more effective. Yeah. So I love that's this. right. And so one of our founders, Kristen Revere, she's the founder of Gold Coast Doulas. Her question is, she's really good at establishing local partnerships, but it's not mm -hmm. translating nationally. What would you say to her? What do you think some things she should be thinking about? I mean, I would pick, you know, so she's really good at locals. Why is she really good? What's working locally? What are her success factors? Like do her own SWAT on the locals and then start to say, okay, where's the next place that I think I should go? You know, I'll give you an example. We were working with a client this morning and they said, you know, we better run this in this city, in this region, because for these five reasons, they're already doing things well and this will make it better. So get very deliberate about not going nationally, but maybe she goes into three other cities that look like what she's doing locally and she can mirror what her success ingredients are. Mm, I love that. I love that. So then what would you say is the biggest mistake you've made while scaling this company that has become your best lesson that other founders can learn from? I mean, I definitely have gotten distracted. I have probably taken business that I shouldn't have taken with a client because it didn't line up to my ideal client profile. I definitely have probably not fired a client I should have fired earlier. You know, I should have said, oh, you know what, it's not a fit. It's quite liberating when you do that. And all of a sudden they go, wait, don't work with me. No, no, no. You know, and I, I learned to do that later. I didn't, I haven't learned to do that. I didn't learn to do that early. I probably just learned it in the last couple of years. I made lots of mistakes. I could probably go on forever about mistakes that I've made and continue to make. Got it. So which one of those, like, do you feel sticks out the most to you where you're like, I think this has made me, this is maybe even actually I'll reframe that or rephrase that. Which one of those was the hardest for you to learn? You kept getting burned by. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be able to say one because I think I make mistakes all the time Yeah. and the key to learn from them and get better. And then I might repeat it again. And then I go, gosh, darn, I learned that the last time. And I triangulated that. And you know, I think the more important thing about the mistakes is to take the time to figure out what you did wrong and what, you know, what happened and why, and like, and create a place where it's safe to make mistakes. You know, if you have a team, 
and you and I've done this, you beat your team up because they made a mistake. Like that's not a place I want to work, you know. Mm-hmm. So create a safe place where it's okay to make mistakes and we learn from them and then we move on, you know, and we and we forget about them. Because in these small businesses, you know, we're very fragile early on, right? And you and we you can't you have to create a culture of excitement and momentum and winning or you're going to lose the people that are going on the journey with you. And you can't scale without the people, yeah. you know? And so that is really important. I don't know if it's a mistake, but one of the journeys we're on now is, you know, the, the next threshold, which is the $10 million mark. And I was on the phone with a gal yesterday who just passed the $10 million mark. And now she's, people are really excited for her to have her exit. That she wants to exit and they're very interested in her and everybody's talking to her. And she said, the thing that got me from three to 10 million is I had to get out of the way. I had to empower the team and the structure and I had to get out of the operational and get on the business, not in the business. And I'm on that journey now. And I think that, you know, when you get to this place of this certain revenue threshold, a certain number of customers, you've really got to build to scale. And that's a whole other set of skills than the early on skills of entrepreneurship and winning and creating. I love that because it also really aligns well with what you're saying about like how you're treating, how you treat your team and wanting to scale up with you. And a lot of that comes back to how we treat ourselves as entrepreneurs. We are so hard on ourselves. And I'm saying that to myself too, as a a, recovering perfectionist and hyperachiever that sometimes the way we're so critical on ourselves can also translate to how we show up to our teams and and partners and inhibit how even our family, you know, yeah, who are also on the journey with us. Yeah. And and that right. that ability to grow to that next level. And yeah. I really appreciate that point around getting out of the way is like it's really hard to get out of the way if it you're not even being kind to yourself to start with. So Yeah, that's great. I love that. And I agree with you hundred percent. I agree with you. And it's hard, you know, like we're all trained to be this way. That's why we're all in this doing these kinds of things and taking these risks and being entrepreneurs and we beat ourselves up and we have to kind of stop doing that. Right. Yes. So you've already kind of hinted to what the next level for you, you're eyeing the $10 million mark, which is awesome. Only 1.7% of women entrepreneurs have gotten past a million. And, you know, for us, that gets you done. It's not just about growing companies to grow companies. It's about scaling generational impact. And that doesn't mean you have to keep running the business or anything like that. It's saying that whether you want to get investor dollars, exit, whether you want to make this a legacy and keep building the business is that you're growing a company intentionally, you're scaling it out because you want to make an impact in a larger setting. It's so much bigger than a company bringing in revenues. It's so much bigger than that. So then how do you, how do you see scaling generational impact with Achieve Unite? What does that look like for you? Well, I think for us, you know, this mission, you know, it is a mission for us, right? Because if we can, we can change the world. If we can teach people how to partner, we can change businesses. We can change kids. We can change teachers with students. We can change, you know, we can really impact the world if we can teach trust and we can teach people how to build partnerships. And so for us, it's very mission driven around partnering. And I would just encourage Every person, you know, what is your mission? And in our mission, 
I do this work so that I can have an exit and I can go help young women start companies themselves and not make all the scars on their backs that I have and the mistakes I've made, you know? And so, you know, you might have a personal mission and you might have a company mission and both of those are equally as important. Yes. I love and getting that. clarity on both of those are really important. Yes. I love that. And it's okay if it shifts. Cause I noticed for me, especially this last year, it's shifted a little bit. It's still at the That's core, but getting even more clarity on like, oh, this is what that actually means. Right. So it's right. okay not to be rigid on it as well. Yeah. So then I agree. based on that long-term impact, the focus today, so it sounds like get to that 10 million, right? So you can get to a potential exit. What could folks listening? Actually, my focus right now is to build an amazing company that- yes. People love to be a part of our clients. Like we serve our clients and we have this opportunity to really help them differentiate themselves and really do unique and different things with their own companies and their own goals. And like that, if we do that, everything else will take care of itself. And so I am actually really focused on that right now. And, and of course the revenue is going to come, but if we do that, the revenue will come. Does that make sense? Oh, I love that so much. You're speaking my language. I love this. I'm so yeah, happy you mentioned that. Yeah. I love awesome. that. So basic, so based on that focus, delivering the best experience you could potentially yes. ever do, because again, right. it's going to help you manifest and invite in all those other right. things, like the revenue partners, all of that. For folks listening in, how can they support you in scaling your impact? Oh, that would be, you know what? If you're interested in talking about anything that we talked about today, just reach out to me at Teresa, T-H-E-R-E-S-A at AchieveUnite.com. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Teresa Carrigal. And if you're interested in learning more, I'm happy we'll spend time with you to help. Thank you so much for listening to Get Shit Done. We hope you got the traction tips you need to grow your company on your own terms. If you want to learn more traction tips like these from badass women entrepreneurs weekly, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, queen, show us some love by rating and reviewing this podcast. This really helps us reach and serve more women like you in slaying their way to traction. And if you're looking for more support on your scaling journey, head on over to shegetsshitdone.com slash join, where you'll become a part of the movement of women entrepreneurs giving 4% the middle finger. Until next time, queen, I'm Alex Batdorf reminding you, you got this. Now go out there and get shit done. <laughs>